This is an APAC EO production. Welcome to episode 88 of the EO Business Podcast for APAC. I'm Brendan Tarazzi, the host of the show, and today I'm joined with Ashton Bishop from Step Change. Good morning, Ashton. How are you? Good, thanks, Brendan. How are you going? Really good. Now, one of the fascinating things I find about EO is that uh, you're a tenured member. How long have you been in EO? Look, I think it's approaching 10 years now. I've, I can't remember exactly. I joined uh, with a with another guy in my group. So we sort of, uh, he's, he's an accountant, so he remembers those sorts of things. I just say, hey, Sammy, how long have we been in for? Yep. And you're, um, oh, so you joined with Samir. Yeah, Sammy and I started on the first day. So I think oh, nice. somewhere between eight and 10 years, Sammy and I, Sammy's yep. good luck. Yep. Awesome. So your business is called Step Change and you're like, from what I could see from the outside, a bit of a marketing guru. Tell us about what Step Change does. Yeah, so we we do strategy, marketing, and momentum. We started off very narrow, just doing value propositions. I got very good at that, which is fun work. We were good at it, but it wasn't a great business model. So we've extended over the years, and now we do strategy, marketing, and also team momentum. So what do you mean by value propositions? You get you're getting to the core of what a business can offer its customer base. Is that what that means or? Absolutely. So how do you explain your value to your customers? So people buy emotionally and then use rational justifications. So we need to be able to explain the value, especially if it's quite technical or specialized. Sometimes we've got deep technical knowledge and we forget what it's like when a customer comes in from outside that category and they don't know anything. And our value proposition, well, a lot of value propositions sound like this. We've been around since 1975, providing a high-value service. We care about our customers and our staff are most valuable asset. Right? If you've heard that before, it might mean a lot to the person saying it, but it means bugger all to the person who's trying to buy so the value isn't clearly articulated. Isn't so that value- just about what every business is? That's what, it, it's what every business is. <laughs> And yeah. it just doesn't work. So we've got over a hundred years experience. I mean, yeah. oh my gosh. And it's just so snoozy. So we forget that it's our job as business owners to present the value. So we're easy to buy and recommend effectively. They're the two things that we're looking to do with a value proposition. So, so in that example, what should they be saying? Well, whatever's relevant for them, right? And that, yeah. that comes from understanding their customers deeply first. And where a lot of businesses go wrong is is they forget that that customers have triggers, what brings them into the category. They've got drivers of what they want out of it, but also they've got pain points. And it's often the delicate use of pain points and overcoming fear factors that businesses, especially challenger businesses, need to get their head around. And and so is that like a, can it be simplified down to a tagline for a business or is is it more than that? Like how do you... How do you articulate that value proposition? Yeah, so taglines or positioning lines, they're great because they get in your head and they become like a like a clothes hook in a locker room. So imagine a, a really untidy locker room, a positioning line or a tagline, a Nike just do it line is like the peg in a locker room where you can then go, oh, that's where the things for that business go. So that's what the tagline does. The value proposition looks to go deeper than that. And especially we do a lot of business to business work. So our specialties are financial services, 
aged care and B2B. So Step Change, we've probably done about a thousand value propositions over 10 years. Oh, wow. <laughs> Across every single category and service. We used to be, we used to have a, a funeral home and a maternity ward. So we used to be birth to burial. Then we got a fertility clinic. So we're now fertility to funeral. So <laughs> we've worked across all of the ATOs, 18 different tax categories. And the thing is that each business is unique and the ability to understand your customers and then match up value and then say, well, look, what are those themes? So we describe the value proposition if you've got it on a page, you've got it. And it's generally, yes, a position line or a tagline, but underneath it, you want to have three to four things that your business does really well or that have differentiated value for you. And so how long does it take to, well, by the way, Matt, I've got a wedding venue I can throw into the mix. We could go, you know, weddings, um, fertility, death, and I've got a mate who's a family court barrister, so maybe we could throw that in as well. There you go, bride to bury. Just extended our. We've just extended our. Everything office. we can. We cover everything. Yep. Um, so how long? Like, sorry, I know you sort of moved. Your business has moved on from just value propositions, but I'm just yeah. curious. Like, how long does it take to get to that? Oh, it, you know that core of what what a business value proposition is, and is it something that you need to bring an expert in, or can you know could other EOs work it out for themselves? Oh, look. I think every business starts looking to work it out for themselves and then they need somebody to come in and help them. Yeah. The larger you get, if something changes around, because the value proposition is an, is an intersection of true to you, <laughs> valuable to your customers and different from your competitors. So mm. if you imagine the Venn diagram, your value proposition sits right in the middle there. So how do you explain it where it's true to you, valuable to your customers and different from your competitors. And if you get that sweet spot, it makes all of your marketing more effective. And that's where businesses ignore it at their peril because getting your message right is six times more effective than media. And that's mm. sort of David Acker research is that you're either Harvey Norman where you got stacks to spend and you're going to scream at people a lot, or you need to get a really relevant, really cut through message. In doing it, when we do it, we sort of take about, two to three weeks to prepare and we've got a lot of IP because we've done it so much. Yeah. We're very IP driven and that's how we can go across different categories and sectors. So it's two to three weeks to prepare, to look at the business, to understand the customers, to look at the competitive set and do all our work. And then we will facilitate it during the course of a day. Yeah, right. So it, it sounds like your target market are bigger companies that are maybe a little bit lost like they've become really big <laughs> and then they're not sure, I don't know, what their identity is. Would that be fair to say? Or Oh, look, there's different points in a business's life cycle where it's important to review the value proposition. It's generally if one thing changes or they're looking to make an effective step change. But our client book's really broad because every business needs to be able to articulate value to its customers really well. So we've got a blue chip suite of ANZ and Sony and Mercer and like the international behemoths, and they'll then do it at a divisional level. But we'll do a one-person startup with an idea because mm. if you get it right and you start converting, it pays for itself really quickly. So even though our service offering is much broader than value propositions, still probably about 70 to 80% of our work is value propositions because we've done so much of it and we do it fixed cost, fixed time, guaranteed result. So that yeah. makes it pretty yeah. 
And so when you say guaranteed result, what does that mean? That means that- well, we're actually the first agency in Australia to, to do it no result, no invoice. And that came from, I, I came from the big end of town and the big end of town would normally pitch for work, right? And that's where a client would ask anywhere up to five agencies to come and pitch on their business. And they wouldn't have a proper value proposition. They'd skip over that and start doing marketing campaigns because they're trying to make their money back on media. So the client was in a bind <laughs> and the agencies were in a bind and they'd spend such a lot on this pitching process. They became, it's almost like a treadmill where they had to get the next client in. Mm. So over sort of 10 years working around the world for big agencies, I think the most an agency ever spent that I was on was $130,000 of costs on a pitch. And then they're trying to recover that from client after client. So we just went, that's nonsense. It certainly doesn't work for SMEs. So we went, we're not going to tie ourselves to media. We'll do value propositions and do them properly, but we'll charge fairly up front. But in mm. doing that, we went no invoice. So the client got to the end of the session. You could basically say, I love that. It's nailed it. I'll take the work. Or you say, thanks for the muffins and the cups of coffee. Uh, you didn't get there. We'll uh, leave the co- we'll uh, leave the work and call it a day. So that was, we're the first agency to do that about 10 years ago. Wow. Has there been copycats? Oh, I think if you, I think you've if got you to be pretty it, confident, don't you, that you, you've, you've got, got the goods. Got to, you've got to back yourself. Yeah. And over about, as I said, like close to a thousand jobs, I think we'd had, like two two people claim it, try and claim it, yep. and they did it outside the conditions. So the, basically the conditions are <laughs> you bring the people who can say no into the room and you let us know at the end of the day whether you want to take the work or not. So yeah. they're the two conditions. So over a 1,000 jobs, we'd never had anyone claim within those two conditions. We yeah, had wow. two people basically go back to a director who wasn't in the room. <laughs> yeah, right. Or someone who like three weeks later goes, oh, actually, I don't like it now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So it's not a result as in it's going to increase your sales or your conversions or anything like that. It's an acceptable um, identity or or mark or whatever it is that you're delivering. Correct, because it's so variable uh, for a business and we can't tie ourselves to the internal politics, the market conditions or the machinations of what goes on as a business goes to market. What we can do is say, if we get the value proposition right, you can get anywhere from double to triple conversion rates. And that's what we're consistently seeing. And so then now I'm understanding like the value proposition is really your foundation. And then you were saying that you've now offering other marketing services around that. It seems like that then would be the natural progression once you've got that value proposition. So so what we found, and it's interesting from an EO point of view, is we got very good at value propositions, like to the point where we're being flown to everywhere from Canada to Sweden to London to do value propositions. And there's thousands of agencies, but we got very good at it. The trouble was it was a really crap business model. (laughs) And I found that out one day when the penny dropped as, I was doing follow-up calls and there was a client there who'd given us a a 10 out of 10 net promoter score and a review and the HubSpot alerts had popped up and gone, hey, it's been four years since we did that job. And I called the client and I went, hey, you know how you gave us that 10 out of 10 and you said in that review that the, the value proposition was the best day your team had 
ever spent on your business. Well, four years on, maybe we should renew it. Maybe we should do something else. And he's gone, are you crazy? That thing is working so well for us. I wouldn't change a word. <laughs> so <laughs> so the, there's someone who's running a multi-million dollar business. They've been milking this thing for 10 years and they've paid us a, a yeah. fixed fee once. Yeah. So I just looked at that and went, that's not a great, that's not a great yeah. business model. So in other words, it's a transactional that model is a transactional model where you've got to constantly be finding new customers Correct. because they're so not coming back. Became a hamster wheel. So yeah. our marketing needed to work well mm. to turn the hamster wheel to because once people had their value proposition, they're like, this is great. I'll just work it and work it. And mm. because we're IP-based and we give them the frameworks, they can then adjust to the market conditions. They can then adjust for an audience segment and we give them everything <laughs> to make ourselves redundant. So we yeah. were the you know, I was the dumbest smart, dumbest smart guy in the room, right? Hey, here's all the IP, here's all the answers, yeah. go away, do it for yourself. So what, what we did find, Brendan, was that actually one of the things when a value proposition wasn't getting the traction that we intended, it was generally because they didn't have a business strategy. And most businesses don't like to do business strategy. They like to do business planning. So business planning is taking last year's numbers, changing them by three to 7% and calling it a strategic plan. <laughs> There's yeah. no strategy within there. It's business planning. So a strategic plan is quite different. And if you've got a strategic plan, it's then very easy to have a value proposition and a marketing plan that lines up. In the absence of that, sometimes you're just, you know, you don't have a, a sense or a lens to say, this is going to work. This is really going to meet the market. So we started the long journey and it was a really long journey to get very good at doing business strategy, to understand the principles of strategy, the components of strategy and how to take an organization to developing a true strategic plan that then allowed us to do the value proposition. <laughs> and it meant that value propositions were working even harder but whereas the value proposition might not need reworking <laughs> four years on, 10 years on, a business strategy would need anywhere up to quarterly reviews, right? Yeah. Or a thousand day plan. So we've now got clients who we've had a relationships with for the last 10 years, who are sometimes using us for quarterly reviews or annual reviews on their business strategy. And that then becomes the 10 year relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So, um, when did you make that change? Was that? Oh, look, that that was a pretty long journey. Mm. Value propositions are art meets science. <laughs> yeah. As in, you've got to be very good at doing the background work, asking the right questions, preparing really thoroughly, but then you need the creative writing skill and that creative flair to bring it to life. Business strategy is very much understanding the market, understanding the competitors, a lot of research. And, it's and, constantly, of and it's constantly changing quarter to quarter probably. Changing. So yeah. the, the, the deep dive into business strategy might have taken us sort of five years to really hone and master that toolkit. Yeah, wow. So how, how long, how old is that change now? So we're about 12 years in and we've had okay. sort of different iterations and different reinventions and met the market as the market's moved. So we've bolted on services and sold services and recalibrated and, and really come back to that 
you know, now we're very clear on the sort of the five areas that we work really strongly in and mm-hmm. we've let all the rest of it go as we've, we've refined that, which is, which is our focus for the future. Yeah. Awesome. And, and what does the staffing look like? Is it, do you bring people in as needed or have you got like a core group? So, so we have a onshore team and an offshore team. Yep which comes back to the, the five areas that we now focus on. So we help organizations get the big picture, right? Like what's the North star, the purpose. And that's really important as we're in this war for talent at the moment. And we're in a war for sanity <laughs> as it's really unhelpful to tell teams to be resilient. It's much better to <laughs> get them enrolled with a purpose, get them something that's they can buy into uh, so that's the, the big picture and the big star. Where's the organization going and why should people hook their carriage? Then it's strategy to understand the market context, what strategic choices are about, having a value proposition that really meets the market. Then there's sales meets marketing and our go-to-market planning. And then there's organizational momentum. So they're the five things that we do now. In delivering that, we have an onshore team of about five strategists. And then we have an offshore team that support that's about 20 people. So we're five onshore, 20 offshore. And that's the way that we uh, we come together in, in pods and groups, depending on the nature of that project. And so for this type of business, where uh, can I ask where your offshore team is? Is it one country? Yeah, or? So, yeah, so we're, we're, we're in Cebu. Yeah, so in the okay. Thing. And, and like, the advantage of that is the time zone and the good levels of English and... Uh, they are, our team now is, so I used to have a, a team where it was completely the opposite. So we had about 40 people with about sort of 25 in Sydney and a handful offshore. Hmm. It was actually during COVID because I'd sold off our old creative and digital to refocus on <laughs> strategy and events and speaking. I love speaking. I love the energy that I get from being with the room and taking them through our capabilities. Mm-hmm. So it was, my, the timing was just hilarious, Brendan. So I think it was something like Monday, the 16th of March, 2020, something like that. I'd been at professional speakers association from the Friday, Saturday and Sunday in a room with 150 people as their businesses <laughs> basically disappeared through their fingers. And I came back that Monday, which is the first time I'd taken control of Step Change by myself, we used to have four partners. Wow. But we're so creative and digital. It was me taking the reins uh, with my partner who's in spousal. So Magdalene is now the general manager. So it was day one of the new business and we lost 80% of the pipeline that we paid for in half a day as every one of our large corporates and conferences sent an email going, uh, no external consultants all events are cancelled, we're in lockdown. So it was oh, horrendous as yep. uh, as a, uh, at the time, but it yep. was wonderful as we learned to do completely online events, then hybrid events, and then to look for talent in those remote environments because we no longer were constrained. And I've got to say that the quality of the work that we're able to do now at the price point is just wild. Our value equations just through the roof. So we now have the best designers yeah. <laughs> that we've ever got. And they they sit in a in a team in Cebu. It's it's crazy. So the so offshore, got- offshore 
So it's like made in Australia, designed offshore. Is that is that kind of <laughs> designed designed in Australia, uh, delivered in in Cebu? So, and and it's really great. We've actually got this. A key member of the team. I uh, grew up in Sydney. Went to Joey's, and he's mm-hmm. over there now. And he helped us, he's helped us a lot. Really build and integrate the culture, and understand the cultural differences and what it means to be one team. So we're really proud of the way that we are all steppers, and there isn't an onshore team or an offshore team. We're just all steppers, and the way that we yeah. come together and support each other is wild. So when the cyclone, uh, the typhoon Odette rolled through the support because the Filipino government was just hopeless. So we were able to provide leave, provide care packages, provide advance payments, which was the financial component, which we were able to do a step change. But then the way that they cared for each other. So they were delivering petrol and water and care packages for each other and like the bonding of how they came together as one group was just was just brilliant. So, uh, and, then, and then from your side, you've got very loyal employees, I would say. Oh, we've had zero regrettable churn over three years now. So we, when we restarted, Brendan, we're only three people, yeah. and that was the intention that it was only going to be very small, based on conferences and speaking. But then when there was no speaking and no conferences, we had to pivot. So yeah. we then went actually, well, what do clients need? And they need to be able to not just have a great strategy, value proposition and marketing plan. They need a way to deliver it. And when you actually look at the skills that are needed around having a website, having a marketing automation system that's qualifying leads and keeping leads warm, to be able to do social content, to be able to do basic animations and videos to be able to design proposals. They're all different skill sets. Mm. <laughs> you can't have one person who can do all that from a marketing point of view. So that's how we've ended up with a team of 20 over there is we've got specialists across digital marketers, content people, animators, writers, designers, and then we're able to assemble them in almost like an SAS, like a little yeah. uh, sort of crack team in a pod. And they work <laughs> together so well. It's just, it's been great. Oh, that's very cool. So has uh, um, so it sounds like it's been a real rebirth, but a very positive one now that you've gone oh. through that all that pain. Yeah. I think we're at the perfect size. When we were 40 people in three different divisions that I didn't really have visibility over, it was a lot more complex to manage. Mm. Now we have a daily huddle, we've organised in pods, we're very clear on what support looks like where we're pods of seven, each person has a person who they have a one-on-one with to make sure that they're supported. And in our daily huddle, we've just got that, that lean and agile communication of here's what I've done, here's what I need to do, and here's what I need. And it's just that clarity of communication means that we've got momentum and yep. we've actually been building a a business on the side, the Institute of Change, which is about scaled learning and learning management uh, delivery. So we've got learning designers and platform designers and we're moving into the the world of hybrid where you can have learning done any device, any time, but then integrate that with real-life facilitation. And that tends to be working really well. So we've been exploring that and making a huge amount of progress as so as is in, in that business um 
do you actually write the content or is it just the platform to deliver the content? No, it's, it was taking, it was taking all the content we were going to deliver at conferences and events Got you. and yeah. repurposing it. So it was a true digital immersion. Yeah. All right. And that's not just about putting a, <laughs> a PowerPoint deck and a video on site. This is, this is proper SCORM packages and true on-screen interactivity in any device, any time, and really embracing the principles of true learning design. And so under that one, that's kind of like a, a DIY kind of strategy where you get your thinking, you learn it, and then you implement it yourself. Is that, would that be fair? Correct, Brennan. So we're moving yeah. to a future now of effectively three modes. So do it yourself where we can service the the true startups because we work with Founders Institute, like those, mm-hmm. yep. I've got an idea. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. So at that level, they want to do it themselves. Yep. Then there's do it with me where organisations might want to go through it themselves and then just have that little almost sidebar to say, is this any good? <laughs> yeah. How do I make that better? And yeah. then they're the door. It's like a coach, You're the yeah, coach exactly. so to speak. And- yeah, so do it with me is the coaching model. And then do it for me is that if it's a must win or they really just want to knock it out of the park, there's nothing like having an external facilitator or the step change team come in yeah. and just nail it. That's awesome. All right, mate. Well, we're right at the end of our interview now. If people want to find out more about Step Change, uh, what is your website or websites if you've got a, a few things happening? Yeah, so you can Google Step Change, uh, comma Sydney, or just put into the Google machine, Hello Step Change. So we're at www.hellostepchange.com. That's brilliant. Okay, Ashton, thanks so much for having a chat to us. Thanks, Brandon. You've been listening to an APAC EO production. I hope you've been enjoying listening to the podcast. If you are, it'd be great if you could help us out by leaving us a review and sharing this with friends and colleagues.